King, would you like to go next? All right. I think I have like a good filler game. I- I've played Pokemon Legends Arceus. I guess hey! we'll that. Um, it's That's not really in my top year. list, but yeah. So it, it, I think that it's cool that a lot of people really love this fresh new direction. I thought it was good, <laughs> but uh, I'm not like head over heels with the game like a lot of people seem to be. I think it's like an interesting direction to take Pokemon, and I think that they should take a lot of these ideas that they presented. Like, I think the catching mechanics are very good. I think those should probably stay for the future, so you don't have to enter a battle every time you want to catch a Pokemon. I think it's just fine to be able to throw the ball at them. I think it's cool to have a focus on catching again. Uh, I like that. I thought it was really fun to try and complete the decks. Because, like, the story was actually built around it, like, you're pioneers of this new land, so you have to, like, study all the Pokemon that are there, and, like, study the ecology. So it felt like a very fitting thing to be doing. It it was, like, a nice shake-up, basically, but Mm -hmm. I think my problem with it was, first of all, whenever I play a new Pokemon game, the thing that I'm looking forward to most is the new Pokemon. And in this game, there's, like, ten new Pokemon, as opposed to, like, the usual, like... 80 plus that we usually get these days. So it's kind of disappointing to step in here and be like, ah, yeah, there's like a few new Pokemon, I guess, but it's mostly just a bunch of old shit. And that's when, for me, Pokemon gets kind of boring, is when I'm only picking from the old options. It's kind of like, well, what am I going to build? What kind of team am I going to build if I've already used all these fuckers before? It's kind of, you know, it's not, it's not the reason that I am drawn to Pokemon these days. And, It was like a fulfilling, fun experience. I think that they took some interesting risks, but it's going to be hard to go back to it before I make my video, which then obviously I'll have to go back to it. But it's to the point where I preferred the the more traditional one they released this year. So you prefer the Pokemon Violet over... Yeah, you know, (laughs) bugs and all. definitely had new Mons. That one's not in my top list either because it crashes and it is buggy as fuck and is not I what Pokemon should be ideally either. But I also think that game, you know, brought a lot more to the table in terms of it had a fuck ton of new Pokemon that I all I really loved pretty much most of them. And I think that it inherited enough from Legends Arceus that I was able to enjoy the gameplay loop in the same way. And I kind of prefer having like a if they're gonna do this open world thing, I prefer to be in a true open world rather than in Legends Arceus where you had to load into a zone and then you just kind of hang out there and then if you want to leave, you load out. I prefer this new approach of like, you know, you, you just are in a traditional open world. There's not like there's only loading screens if you have to enter like the main city or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it made for a more immersive, seamless experience. So like that, it, it's basically... All I'm going to say about them, also the story kind of sucks ass in Legends Arceus. Um, not that modern Pokemon storytelling has been particularly great at all, but... Well, I, I think um, so far, I mean, I, I haven't even beaten it yet, but the story in Gen 9, or at least like some of the world building anyways, I think it's kind of interesting and the characters are pretty interesting too. Yeah, I think Gen Nine's kind of, in some ways, a return to form, um, mm-hmm. especially the ending of the There's game. There's no Chairman Rose. Yeah. There's no Chairman Rose, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy about that. But yeah, it has like a cool ending, like a really, really cool ending. It's not like a fully realized, like black and white-esque 
or even like a I know you'll hate me for this, Ryan, but it's not like sun a sun and moon, moon story where like yeah. it, it doesn't come together quite like those games, but because like for the most part, it's kind of a traditional you go do the gyms and there's barely anything going on until the end of the game. But the end of the game did return me to a like a very hype mentality of like, holy shit, I haven't seen this in a, a long time for Pokemon. So that was pretty cool. For whatever it's worth, though, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and, and I haven't beaten the game yet, but like it's actually one of the things I like about the story is that it seems comparatively low stakes when you compare it to the other games. Like, yeah. like the gym or not the gym, like the, the evil team. It's not like Team Magma or Aqua where they're trying to like expand, you know, like, <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they they could potentially destroy the world Maxi for the sake of the legendary Pokemon. Like, oh, Groudon wants to make it all uh, land and Kyogre wants to make it all water or like Team uh what what was the one from black and white what 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 was that team plasma Galac- plasma. plasma okay no galactic was uh diamond and pearl and like you know team plasma is just like oh you know we want to liberate pokemon all this that and the third and you know this is just like a bunch of kids who were bullied and it like i kind of like how it's very focused on the school aspect of pokemon and i actually found myself like actually like taking some of the classes and taking the tests and talking with some of the professors and the teachers and talking with some of the students and everything like that. You know, it's just like, it just feels like a very small, a very low-key, low-stakes adventure, and I kind of like that. Like, for the franchise, I think it's kind of refreshing in a way to, like, scale things back a little bit. I don't know how, like, I hear, like, things get, you know, they go monkey mode, like, towards the end of the game, but I haven't gotten (laughs) there yet. (laughs) I think that it has a strong, unified theme. Mm -hmm. It's school theme. Pretty much every thing that you do in the game kind of contributes back to that core like school theme of like they're the you know like you said the evil team team star were like bullied so they're like a, a group of Outcasts. victims in a way that were yeah. like thrust out from the school and there's actually like interesting stuff in there where like the the headmaster of the school takes responsibility for not doing enough about the the kids there there's actually some surprisingly adult messaging in here about like yeah the responsibility of like having a position of power like that and it's like it's just very Mm. like it's not something i would have expected from pokemon these days but it was like it was a very refreshing story i think not nothing like groundbreaking but until the end that is i do think the 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 final hours of that game are fucking incredible Mm. you know it runs at like five fps sometimes (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty great i will say though i think um I mean, because like you were saying that like you prefer you prefer Violet over Legends, right? Yeah, I kind of like flip flop between which I prefer. And I remember I was watching your Phantom Hourglass and Spear Tracks video earlier this year, and you kind of make a really interesting point where it's just kind of like one game kind of suffers because of the other, and like between the well, two games yeah. there would be like a very interesting like that that would be like the best game right there if we just took like the two games we put them together i kind of feel that way with the mainline game and then the legends game because i i think i prefer the legends arceus over pokemon scarlet and pokemon scarlet and violet because like while the legends game has like 10 new mons and a lot of them are just kind of like different versions of older mons it also makes me use mons that i haven't used before so I thought that was kind of interesting. And because like with the new with the new game, I kind of struggled to form my team because like, yeah, it has like a lot of new mons. But at the same time, I didn't really care for much of them. 
I just thought a lot of them were kind of dopey looking. I thought a lot of them looked kind of stupid. You know, they didn't really have a lot of ap- of uh, appealing designs. And I also felt like as if uh, Legends had a bit more teeth to it. It was a bit more challenging. I thought it had more interesting mechanics in terms of like how you learn new moves and like how the like uh, what was it like the agility system and the the what what was it called? There was like two types of modes like that you can agile and something else. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I like how like the one town that you have in the game is like really fleshed out, and I think it has like more interesting side quests and everything. Like I think Scarlet and Violet has the more interesting story, but like I think like the one that I always think about, like the one that I'm more interested in like seeing through to the end, because like I, I beat the main campaign for Legends Arceus, but I haven't done any of the post game stuff. But like I find myself leaning a bit more towards the Legends game because I, I think it's mechanically more interesting. I think it has a better art style. I don't like the way how this new Pokemon game looks. I think it looks boring as all shit, but... Well, I think they both look awful. <laughs> I, I think at the very mm. least... I mean, like, graphically speaking, yes, I think they both look awful, mm. and they both are optimized very poorly. But I think in terms of art direction, I think Legends just stands out a lot more than this super dry, super bland, inoffensive art style that, that Gen 9 has. It just looks so boring and so. If I may drab. interject with something, no. Um, the 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 footage <laughs> I've seen of Gen Nine, the eyes look really strange. Like people's mm-hmm. eyes, like they the older games used to have like anime eyes, and now they have like not realistic eyes, but like Western cartoon eyes, and it's really I mean, disturbing. I mean, just look at the trainer, like the main trainer designs for like Legends Arceus, like the male and the female. And then you look at the trainer designs for Scarlet and Violet. It just, it looks so boring. It's so, like, it's just, <laughs> there, there's nothing there. It's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's so expressionless. No huh? Except in this case, there's no sizzle either. I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, mean like, thing, I thing? see where you're coming from in a way, but I mm-hmm. also think that they have a lot more to work with with the Legends Arceus because it's like a historical setting. So they can yeah. do like, a lot like this fucking new Pokemon game. It's like it's in Spain in modern day. It's Which like, I, also, eh. I I do want to say I do think it's actually like I the region itself for uh for Scarlet and Violet I really do like. I love the region, like the way how it's laid out. I love exploring it. I love like your little legendary Pokemon. I love the like the the one like in Scarlet how he looks like toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. I love that. Mm-hmm. And like I I think the multiplayer is actually a lot of fun. And I think that's like one of the biggest that's draws of the game. Another reason that it's I prefer it over Legends Arceus is because mm-hmm. of the multiplayer. Yeah. Now, granted, you can't like do a ton. You can like make sandwiches and stuff. Um, <laughs> but like, there's something about being able to exist in the same map for the whole game that is just kind of like nice. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't even know how to like. Immersion. While you're playing your own story, you can like be like, "Hey, Ryan, come over here. I yeah. found some." shiny pokemon or whatever and then you can you can literally just come over here because you're in my game yeah so it's like it's almost like an mmo-esque quality um i mean you still have to get into a lobby but like it's i kind of hope that they expand upon that going forward and eventually we won't necessarily get a pokemon mmo but we'll get enough multiplayer features that it will feel like one you know while you're playing it yeah but it will Mm -hmm. still have all the strengths of a single player pokemon so i think that it's like I would agree that we should meld these two experiences. And I think that's what they're going to do because 
Considering that these two games came out in the same year, I imagine they were both being developed at the same time by different yeah. people. So mm-hmm. um, I imagine that their next step is going to be inheriting the strengths from both of these games. Because you can say anything you want about Pokemon. They're good at iterating very slowly, but they are good at iterating. So uh, uh, they will eventually iterate upon these two things. So. So, sort of, sort of, kind of. I mean, like, that's actually one of the biggest problems that I have with these games is that, like, one game would have, like, a really cool mechanic that, like, you think that they would flesh out in the next game, but then the next game comes and, nope, that's gone, and now uh, here's I something would, completely I different. I would argue it had a really cool gimmick that it abandoned. Uh, I think sure. that's a little different than like online integration and like, you know, core mechanics that have yeah. changed and have I just, been fundamentally altered. I guess my train of thought is like, I hope they don't look, <laughs> I hope they don't look at the, uh, let's say like the online multiplayer, the fact that you could play like in the same space as everyone. I hope they don't look at that as a, uh, a quote unquote gimmick. I hope they actually yeah. like keep that or the catching mechanics or anything. The likelihood of that is very low. Mm-hmm. So if we look at previous gimmicks, it was like, a temporary in battle evolution or a super move. You know, or that is a thing Pokemon that changes you the every po- game. Following you on the field. There's yeah. one gimmick, one core gimmick that they always swap out for some reason. Um, I guess that's just a thing going forward. But none of that is ever like core features, really. Mm-hmm. It's nothing that you can't live without, even though <laughs> it would be great to carry all these forward. It's not like a, a multiplayer, like, you know. I, mm. I think it's very unlikely they will view those things as a gimmick. But yeah. But it's... yeah. Okay, so you guys know I don't really care about Pokemon anymore. And speaking of which, speaking of your Pokemon videos, King, uh, King always includes commercials for all of these games. And it drives me absolutely insane that every single one of these commercials pronounce it Pokemon because... Mm. I know that's how it's actually supposed to be pronounced because there's an accent on the E, but nobody I have ever <laughs> met in real life pronounces it Pokemon. Everybody says Pokemon or Pokemon, you know? Yeah. So that drives me insane when I watch your videos, to be honest, that these commercials do that. But anyways, I, I played Gen 3 and 4 when I was a kid, and I liked them because I was the target audience and age for it. And I was just unfamiliar enough with RPGs that it was, like, engaging. But now as an adult, I just can't play these games anymore. And I keep hearing people tell me that Legends Arceus especially was really fresh and interesting. So can you guys give me the elevator pitch for this? What makes this different? These two games? I don't think... (laughs) Um, I can tell you why it's different, but you certainly would hate it. Well, okay. (laughs) The the way... The way how I looked at it, and I think even one of the people, uh, or, you know, one of the devs, or one of the, I don't know, like, some big Pokemon company, or one of the directors, I don't know, but, like, they were addressing one of the comments that, like, people were making where it's just like, oh, this looks like Breath of the Wild, and they were saying, like, oh, don't really look at this like Breath of the Wild, look at this more like, uh, like Monster Hunter. So I'm like, Mm, oh. Okay. Okay, and yeah, I, I kind of see that, and that's actually one of the things I like about this game, how, like, you actually have to, like, sneak up, and you actually, actually kind of have to, like, hunt these Pokemon. I mean, not, like, shoot and kill them, of course, but, like, you know, you yeah. have to, like, track them down, and you have to, like, sneak around or, like, throw, like, lures and bait to, like, try to draw them out. You know, that's really interesting. I think it's really cool how, the, like, the Pokemon this time around can actually, like, attack you. Like, you, the player character, can take damage. I think that's really cool. And so, like, that was one of the draws for me. One of the things I, like, really, like... Again, like one of the things I prefer more than something like Scarlet is that like there was a bit more teeth to it and there was a bit more challenge and it felt like 
it was more the world felt a little bit more believable because like some of these mods would actually like try to hunt you down and try to attack you so i think i think that was cool and like there's actual like boss fights where you have to like throw like this like bait or like these uh things to like try to calm down like these giant monsters so you like throw at them at them and you have to like dodge like attacks and everything like that like as the character not as the pokemon but like as the trainer you're actually doing things you know so it felt okay. a bit more involved so so is there battling yeah yeah there's like there's traditional like pokemon battles like ultimately like that's how like you weaken other mons that you want to catch like if you want to go like into a battle you just throw your pokemon out and they'll like you have the battle. And there's also like trainer battles and everything like that too. But like the trainer, him, her, themselves, like they actually do things. It's not just, oh yeah, just leave the mons to do all the work. No, like you're actually doing things too. So okay. I think that's really interesting. So it's like, kind of like you have a choice between the Safari gameplay and traditional gameplay. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually not... a lot like the Safari zone in the sense yeah. that like you can. You can just choose to throw a ball at something and try and catch it that way. So that it's like the main shakeup is that that mechanic of like you can like sneak up on something and it'll give you a higher catch rate or whatever. Um, I think it was it, it is probably the most satisfying part of the game being able to just see a bunch of Pokemon on a field and throw a bunch of balls at all of them and like catch them in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice it's a nice shakeup, I think. Probably something worth keeping going forward. I think the premise is fucking stupid, though. I think the premise yeah. of, like, God himself sending you back in time and giving you a Jesus phone yeah. <laughs> is the stupidest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> I'm like, you literally did not have to do this. You literally could have just made this a character from way back when, but you had to give the main character... A fucking cell phone. What the fuck? The, the story in general is like... <laughs> it's oddly the, Persona the, 5-esque in a way. <laughs> the story generally is like pretty bad and like... <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say you could predict most Pokemon plots, but this one is especially like, oh yeah, this dude's evil. Oh yeah, this dude's fucking... Yeah, this is what this... And then there's no like... <laughs> Like, a lot of Pokemon games have, like, a twist of, like, oh, this this guy's doing something for X reason, at least he's interesting. This game is just kind of like, oh, yeah, that dude, he's he's not good. And then you get to the end of the game, it's like, oh, yeah, he's evil. <laughs> and then it ends. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like, I, like I haven't done the post-game stuff yet, because, like, I hear, like, the post-game stuff is actually, like, really hard and, like, actually, like, really good, but... Yeah, I mean, like, even with, like, the main campaign stuff, I was just, like, mashing the A button to get through the story. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't give a shit. Like, as soon as I saw the cell phone, I checked out. I'm like, oh, okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, the, like, the aspect, the best aspect of the story is just the fact that you are an explorer and you're working with, like, a a settler group to, like, figure out Mm -hmm. all the Pokemon that are in this new land and stuff and, you know. That's, like, the most interesting part of it. Everything else sucks ass. I hate, like, all the characters. <laughs> Nothing, nobody is on the level of Chairman Rose, thankfully, but I don't like any of them, really. Yeah, you what know, that's the very Lysander's least. Was, evil it, plan? Who? Again? Oh, hey, I, I want to activate the okay, Dark Day so or something like that. I want to do the end of the world now. The Gala region is in a hundred years. Was it a hundred? I think it was a thousand, actually. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some like crazy number, like a hundred or a thousand years 
in the future, the Gala region will run out of energy. You know, it's like sort of a comment, like commentary on global warming, stuff like that. You know, like mm-hmm. that's what they're attempting to do. So what he does is there's this Eternatus that they have locked up who can enact the dark day, the dark days or whatever, which will like, it, it was like a phenomenon years in the past that like stripped the Gala region of all of its energy. But if he's confident that in a, if he uses Eternatus in a certain way, he can give Galler like infinite energy or something. But <laughs> so there's no stipulation set on like he has to do this right now. Because as he says very brazenly, he has like a hundred or a thousand years left to do this whenever the fuck he wants. There's no, it's not like an eclipse window. It's like he can do this like literally any day. So he's asking Leon, the champion of the region, to help him subdue Eternatus because Leon's like a powerful Pokemon trainer. So he's like, help me subdue this legendary Pokemon so we can use it to fill Galar with infinite energy. And Leon says, oh, I don't know about this. But then <laughs> Chairman Rose eventually convinces him <laughs> to help him. And Leon says, okay, fine, I'll help you. But you have to wait for me to finish my championship match tomorrow. And Chairman <laughs> Rose, during the championship match, he can't wait a single fucking day. He broadcasts himself on TV, says, you won't help me, you fucker. <laughs> And goes to battle Eternatus by himself and enact the dark days because he he can't wait a single fucking day. This is not an exaggeration. This is what happens in the fucking game. And when you fight him, I was feeling cute, so I felt like activating the darkest day might delete later. His music is like he like does a thing where he looks down on his Pokeball and he looks solemn and he plays like this fucking Sephiroth boss battle music. I'm like, I'm not supposed to feel sorry for you, you fucker. You're impatient as fuck. You can't wait a single day to do this. Why are you? You're not sympathetic. <laughs> I hate you. What the fuck is this? <laughs> it's the stupidest oh, thing I've man. ever seen like, in a Pokemon I, game. I remember playing through Sword and Shield, thinking that the game, for the most part, was fine. It was okay. It was fun enough. Like there wasn't anything about it that like offended me. I, I like. I was. Ta- I remember. I was talking to like Jeb and Twip. Like as I was playing, I'm like, hey, you know, the game's like a solid C tier or whatever. Like it's fine. <laughs> I get to that point of the game. I'm like, no, <laughs> fuck this game. It fucking sucks. Oh my god. <laughs> and that was a really good sandwich that spontaneously combusted in the last second. <laughs> to paraphrase TGX. Oh, oh, I needed that. Oh, thank you, King. Oh. I need a cigarette after that, Jesus. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but you know, for whatever it's worth, I think uh, Legends, Arceus, I think Scarlet and Violet, you know, they're two sides of the same coin, but they're yeah. good. You know, they are, you know, far from perfect, far from perfect, but they're good. You know, I, I enjoy both. And like, I do want to finish Scarlet because again, like I, I genuinely mm-hmm. enjoy it. So uh Try them out if you want. I guess they're they're pretty good. They're yeah, fine. All right. So uh, I would like to ask, since we did podcasts, or since you know you guys did a podcast on God of War, uh, we did a podcast on Sonic Frontiers. Do we want to touch base a little bit and just kind of give like uh, I guess like an update of thoughts, like if our opinions on the games have changed or anything? Yeah, I don't. not really. I haven't sat yeah, down to play either of them. Really changed. Nah. If you have okay. new thoughts, go ahead and share them. I mean, well, I mean, I never play God of War Ragnarok, so I mean, and I probably well, never we did will, promise so. people that we'd that you'd give your spiel about why you weren't in the episode. 
when we did oh, our end of uh, year. Because I thought the 2018 game was uh, boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I it's like, it's a game, like, God of War Ragnarok is a game I never really had any interest in. A game I have a lot of respect for, it. you know, don't get me wrong, like, games like that don't make themselves. Yeah. But yeah. it just looked very boring. It looked like as if, because, like, my, my biggest hope with uh, a sequel to 2018's God of War was that maybe they would kind of take the things that worked in classic God of War and, you know, the things that worked in 2018 God of War and kind of make a game out of that. But it felt more just like a continuation of just God of War 2018. So that yeah, that, was a turnoff for me. Yeah. So I guess, like, my uh, hope going forward with God of War, I hope that they do something a bit more video gamey. Like I, I remember somebody was saying something along the lines of maybe going like in a souls direction for God of mm. War. It's just and interesting. Would, Cause we brought that up uh, in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, I was saying like someone like in the podcast was saying that, that I, the inverse cast podcast, that was that y'all did. I forget who said it, but I think that would be perfect. I don't know if I would want the whole like, Oh, you died, so you lost all your currency, so go back and get it. I hate that. <laughs> when we talk about Elden Ring, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. And when we talk about um, fucking Tunic. You when we talk about Tunic as well. When we, there's a lot of games that do that, but, you know, just make it feel a bit more like, well, I guess, like, if you're trying to do, like, more of a Souls thing, it's not really being its own thing. But, like, I don't know. It's just, like, I think a lot of the identity and a lot of what made God of War the kind of game that it is got lost in this new direction to where now it just feels like a generic western action adventure game and that's not really fun i I can sort of see what you're saying like it definitely took a lot of inspiration from naughty dog stuff yeah and and honestly just like a lot of games that followed in that footstep like 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 you know there's also like a lot of complaints about like how sony interactive games are now like this third person over the shoulder shooter Oh, and every character has to have a bow and arrow, you know? Oh, that's a big thing. But, like, not necessarily to say that, like, every game going forward needs to be, like, this colorful cartoon platformer. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be like that. That that It's fine. Like, we could use a little bit more. Sure. Does everything have to be like that? No. But what, what I am saying is that, like, maybe we can use more games that aren't these hyper-photorealistic games. We don't have to know? make everything look and play like Last of Us 2. Or Last yeah. of Us in general, I suppose. You know, it's like, it's part of the reason, and I know I'm going to sound like a Nintendo fanboy when I say this, but like, you look at the Switch library, and you look at like the games that were nominated for Game of the Year, like from 2017 onward, like that's when the Switch came out. You got like Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, you got Metroid Dread, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Animal Crossing, Kirby the Forgotten Land, Xenoblade 3. It's like all of these games are like drastically different and all under like one publisher, you know? I, to me, that is a lot more interesting. And they're not all like, like, again, like once an adventure game, once a platformer, uh, one's a, you know, Metroidvania and another is a life sim. You know, it's like they're all so different. Yeah. But then like, you know, and Sony could have that. Sony could have had that. But like the studio, like, you know, the, you know, they made that Astro Bot game that came mm. like packaged in with the PS5. That's but a, then yeah. they shut down the studio that made those games. Okay. Well, that's it's like, that's, they, su- they shut down a Sobo studio, which I think was yeah. Mark Cerny's company. But the team that specifically made Astro's Playroom, I think they're still around in some capacity. But and the I, people who'd made games like Legend of Dragoon, for example, or Gravity Rush, you know, and, and Ape Escape, 
like that sh- that studio shut down. And it's like I don't like you want all of your games, and I, somebody said this at Sony. I remember this was the thing going around, but like they want most of their games, if not all, to be like these AAA, dare I say, game of the year bait kind of games. Yeah, I don't know, and that's just like that. I don't think. Oh, I mean, then again, what do I know? Apparently, because these games sell by the buttload. But I don't know if that's really a good thing going forward, you know, because like not everything has to be like that. Like you could have like these smaller games like sprinkled in there, you know, that's like, that's kind of the why thing not? is that if I can get in my soapbox for a moment is that get on your soapbox. Video games nowadays are too fucking expensive and too long and take way too many people to make. And they take like fucking seven years to make a finished game like just look at the development of Halo Infinite, for example, like how long that was kind of like in a vaporware state. And part of that is just because apparently working at 343 is a nightmare. But in any event, it's like, sure, these games all come out good. Like I liked Halo Infinite's campaign, but it's kind of like they all have to play it extremely generic and safe to, to make it a worthwhile return on their investment. If they take too much of a risk, then you run into like the last of us two scenario. Cause that was a game, whatever y'all want to say about it. That was a game that took a lot of risks and did not play it safe whatsoever. It tried to do something really different from the first one. And I mean, a lot of it was the same in many ways. And you know, there was an effort to try to do something really exciting and different with that game and people rejected it when you get into the substance of that, it's like, sure, there are a lot of legitimate reasons that people were upset. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that doing that is a huge risk. And these, these uh, video game publishers don't want risk. They want a safe return on their investment. So when last of us one wins a ton of awards back in 2013, you better bet your ass that that's the game that everybody's going to be copying going forward because it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. we'll win awards and it will sell. Well, it's a win win, but the, the downside of that is that every game that from this particular publisher starts to feel like the same fucking thing. And to the point where by the time we got to Ragnarok, it was really, it's, it's old, it's old hat. We, I would like to see something different mm-hmm. because it was, it was kind of a slog to finish Ragnarok. Um, well, I mean, even, even still though, like God of War Ragnarok sold crazy. And then also on top of that, like, you know, you were saying that people rejected last of us part two. Not saying that game didn't get any criticism because it did, but at the same time, that game also sold like like crazy. Like it sold a lot. But I, I do think it may have sold well. It's it's probably like a Katy Perry Prism scenario. Prism <laughs> is Katy Perry's 2014 record, and it includes signals <laughs> such as Dark Horse and um, I think Birthday Sex or whatever that song is called. How the fuck do you say this with a straight face? <laughs> and then and then in 2017, Carrie Patey. Car- Katy Perry released her next record called Witness, which includes <gasps> tracks such as Chain to the Rhythm and um, uh, Bon Appetit, I think. And like that, I did not take you for a Katy Perry guy. Uh, I'm not. I just know about this because I watch a lot of Todd <laughs> in the Shadows. Uh, but like uh, Witness failed, and it was sort of like there's an argument that could be made that Witness failed not just because Katy Perry was rejecting her bubblegum pop roots and trying to be more conscious and political, but also because people hated Prism so much that they didn't buy the next record. And I think that's probably what's going to happen with Last of Us, where it's like, sure, Last of Us 2 sold well, but it puts so many people off that a lot of people might not get the third one if it ever comes out. 
So because there's just like after what happened with Joel and Ellie, they probably they just don't care where the story goes after that, you know? So there is such a thing as a delayed failure. That's fair. Um, I can see that. But anyways, uh, back to whatever game we were talking about, I guess. I, well, I mean, I think we were talking about God of War Ragnarok and just kind of like the whole yeah. and, and also just kind of like the culture around these kind of games. Because that's, I mean, again, like, won't well too deep into this, but like even when that Last of Us show came out, like everyone was saying like, oh, it's The Last of Us is the greatest story ever made. Oh, Jesus. And it's like and then you wonder why people can't stand the last of us i mean like it's again the not discourse. to say that those games don't have any criticisms but again it's it's just kind of like this snobby oscar bait kind of culture that's around it it's yes. like you know we pretend that other stories and other games don't exist it was like oh yeah it's breaking the the video game curse or whatever but it's like we've had other like shows and other movies based on video games i want to say there worked. was an interview with the director of that show or some yeah. kind of higher up creative who was just like oh last of us was the first game to have a story that wasn't just you lose three lives and get a game over <laughs> or something like that like a really dated early <laughs> 1980s understanding of what a fucking video game is like he hadn't yeah. played a fucking video game in the past 30 years or something um, and it's just, you hear that shit and it's just like, last of us didn't invent any of this. Like the culture around it, I'm going to agree, especially the first one is obnoxious. And that's part yeah. of why I took to the second one so much is because I, there wasn't a lot of people defending it. So I just came into it with an open mind and found that there was a lot to appreciate about it. Um, also none of this is to speak on the quality of the show because I actually hear the show is very good. Sure. So. like. But it's, it's also my thoroughly thing, pointless. We did not need a live action adaptation of this game. Sure. But I mean, like for people who enjoy it, it's cool. You know, it's yeah. because then also apparently like from what I hear from people who have talked about it and people who, you know, who like The Last of Us, like the, the game and the show, uh, specifically uh, Mr. Bacon and Mr. J, you know, they're talking about like how they kind of like flesh things out a little bit more that wasn't really explained super well in the game. So it's like, I won't say it's, I mean, again, I don't really have a, horse in this race but like if they're fleshing things out that weren't exactly explained that well in the games or you know maybe they're foreshadowing things in the second game or just kind of like elaborating some more you know it's cool it's cool that they got that i just hate I mean, like i guess the if snobby... you're gonna make it then you yeah that's a good thing to do but it's like if i want to see the story of last of us one i'll just play last of us one again sure i don't need an awards bait game of thrones <laughs> level budget kind of drama adaptation on TV, you know? Yeah. It's just put that money towards something original. Mr. King, have you seen The Last of Us TV show? No. Not yet. Is something that you're interested in? <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of have a similar take. I'm, I'm like, kind of laissez-faire about it. Like, I don't think it's, like, a crime that it exists or anything, but I'm just not going to watch it because I played the game already. Mm -hmm. There's, I don't really feel like... I like Pedro Pascal a lot. He's one of my favorite actors. But I don't know if I'd see it. He's, just for uh, he's the Mandalorian, right? Yeah. He was also, he also played the villain in the Wonder Woman movie, 1984. <laughs> <laughs> which, That's right. It, you know, I seem to be Trump the only person guy. on planet Earth who actually liked that movie, but I digress. <laughs> I can't go sign that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't know what's so bad about it. Like, I have never understood it. Well, let's. Uh, King, what's what's one of your top five games that you want to talk about? I don't know. I guess I could start with 
I don't even know what to start with. I don't want to start with my game of the year, so yeah. Uh, that's tough. We'll start with Kirby. Hell yeah! That's mm. like my this one. my fourth favorite game. Let me think about that. I think that's like my fourth, third or fourth. I don't know. It doesn't really matter when you get past the first yep. game to be, but it's Kirby in the Forgotten Land was a very very cool step into 3d for kirby and i liked it a lot i think that it played it a little safe with the level theming but the apocalyptic theming really helped it shine a lot more sure yeah yeah. it made it very unique i think exploring like the mall and the abandoned amusement park and shit like that was really cool Mm -hmm. and i think in typical modern Kirby fashion, it goes insane at the end. I, I don't know like what kind of <laughs> drugs these Kirby developers take when at the end stage of their development. I don't know. They they are like they do some weird ass shit at the end when Kirby it's like one of my favorite things about Kirby is that it starts out and you're like in, in Green Greens land and you're like Yeah. Run around, there's flowers, and at the end there's like an alien being or like a being like Cthulhu being from another dimension yes. you fight. And it's like <laughs> The ending of this game kind of goes Dragon Ball a little bit. It's kinda cool. Yeah. But like it has all that it feels like a how do I say this? It feels like an exciting jump into 3D that is also very faithful. So like Mm-hmm. I can liken it sort of to like 3D land and 3D world in the sense that those games feel like very literal translations of the series identity from 2D yeah. to 3D. And Kirby in the Forgotten Land feels very similar in the sense that like it is a 3D game, but it's like it has much like a smaller crash in scope. camera. Yeah. And but I feel like Kirby in the Forgotten Land is a lot more interesting to me because like I said, it feels like it has its own unique identity. It has the apocalyptic theming. Yeah. I, I really like the levels. They look really interesting and they have a lot of, I think that the copy abilities are really cool and the way that you can upgrade them all makes them feel like some of my favorite copy abilities to use, honestly, because they, they have a core set that you upgrade over time and they get a lot better and they expand their move set and like, the, it makes the the combat actually feel really interesting because there's like a lot more going on in terms of like each copy ability once you've upgraded them fully have like a fuck ton of different things that they can do and properties that you can play around with and some bosses are weak to certain like things that you bring to the table which is like Kirby's sort of always done that but like in this 3D space there's a, like you have like a, a dodge roll that you can do and like it feels like a lot of questions that they answered they did so with grace in terms of the 3D question anyway. And it was like a, a really good step into 3D and I really can't wait to see what they do with it next. And I mean, yeah, that's basically it. Also, I played the entire thing with my girlfriend and that was really cool too. So I think it has a really nice co-op system. I think that it sucks that your second player can only play as Bandana Waddle for some reason, but you know, it was still a fun time to play through the entire game like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like you brought that comparison with, uh, you know, 3D land, 3D world and, uh, you know, with this game in the sense where it's like it's literal translations of like the 2D mechanics, but it's just it's popping them to 3D. You know, and we also kind of touched a little bit on this with uh, the Sonic Frontiers podcast when we're talking about the uh, cyberspace stages where it's like it's all about the kind of environments that you're in. You know, that kind of helps a lot when making interesting level design. Because, like, again, like, with, with 3D Land, 3D World, it's just, you know, your typical Mario platforms and blocks and environments and kind of stuff. But, like, 
you know, what you were even saying just a moment ago, where it's like, you know, in this game, in Kirby, it's like, it's post-apocalyptic, there's, like, abandoned malls, circuses, and everything like that. I remember, like, towards the end of, like, the main campaign, there's, like, this one elevator that you go in, and you're learning about, like, the final boss, and how they had, like, uh, and then you find, like, this giant who wants to, like, let it go, or whatever, they hit some everything. Yeah. You know, it's, like, stuff like that. Spoilers! That, that makes, that makes it interesting. This game came out last year, Michael. Came out last year. You had time to play it. <laughs> yeah, but spoiled, that's... But I think we've spoiled like every game we've just talked about on this podcast. Yeah, no, it's fine. Let's go monkey mode. <laughs> Kirby, Kirby dies. He doesn't die. Or at least I don't think he does. I didn't do like the post game stuff after you beat the final boss. So, but you know, it's just, it's stuff like that, that makes the game stick out for me. You know, it's not, I mean, I, I don't know about that return to dreamland, like the game on Wii. I hear that one's pretty safe. Is that true? Um, in terms of theming, I guess. Mm. That's actually, do you guys have anything else you want to say about Forgotten Land before I get into this? I mean, I liked the, I mean, you know, King was also touching up on the, uh, the power-ups and everything like that, but I also think it's really cool how there's like a Coliseum mode and at the end you get to fight Meta Knight. I thought that was really cool. And I like how like there's different challenges where like just kind of scattered around like the little, uh the world map where it's like oh you have to get through like this little super linear obstacle course using this one specific power up you know that that yeah, was I think those do a good job teaching you about the advanced uses of those things as well those things yeah. are very well designed in the sense that like they they sort of get you in the the mindset to use these power ups in specific ways it's been a while since i played it i can't remember like i think that um like spike has a lot of interesting properties in 3d that's another thing about the copy abilities for me is that a lot of them didn't just like make their way over like spike isn't just you hold the button down and wait there they like actually were like let's make spike into a thing where like you roll around into a ball and like the more enemies you pick up the more speed you get and like there's momentum and shit like that there's some was there's their power up that had like a momentum based thing wasn't there was like a oh god i don't even remember there are a lot of power ups in that game but yeah yeah i think that there's a lot of they they didn't just be like we're going to take this power up and make it function exactly the same they they were like they asked a lot of questions about like how would this thing function in 3d space can we take advantage of that in a lot of ways i think that they they pulled that off like with spike and um i think they added some new properties to the combat and stuff so yeah i think that it was a very good first step and i liked it a lot so that's what i'll say about it i'm having trouble yeah, recalling it it was like at the beginning of the year it's been it feels like a millennia yeah, since but- then <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's like, I- I've always been meaning to get into Kirby, because, like, I always hear that, like, I mean, I you guys champion that Robo... Robo- Robobot. No, Michael does. Yeah. I still haven't played it. Oh, oh really? I thought- mm. No. Well, I know Exo specifically, he you gush about that game. And it's still, like, on my, <sighs> yeah. like, it- it's on my bucket list. I do want to play through it. I, I want to play through a lot of these games, so I always hear that, like, some of these are, like, really good. So yeah. like, I'm just able to, I'm, I'm just glad I was able to like commit to this one and be like, no, I'm going to get this game. Even though like when I saw the stuff for like the trailers, it looked fine, you know, but it's just like, I wanted to get into it. I wanted to get into the Kirby franchise. So I picked the game up and now like I'm, I'm trying to make it a point to try to like play through more of these games. Mm-hmm. I would like to get more into Kirby. Also like, one this final was, thing, by the way, yeah. there's a lot of Kirby 64 references and I love that game. So I appreciated <laughs> that. Okay. I want to get in it. Let's go. Papa Exo, tell us about how this is your favorite game ever made. I don't think he's <laughs> going to say that. 
And I know, I know because I know how the, the fucking hundred percent experience is. Yeah. I, I, I remember when we were hanging out like in Philadelphia too. Like I even asked you like, oh yeah, Exo, how'd you think about the game? And you just kind of gave me a look and you were like, you're going to have to wait for the, for the, uh, the 2022 wrap up. I'm like, oh boy. Okay. So before I, before I start being a joyless asshole and complain about everything, I do want to say that I agree with everything you guys are saying. Like, uh, the post-apocalyptic theming was great. Uh, there were a lot of really fun power-ups in this game. I think what one thing you guys didn't mention is that S- Star Allies is the most forgettable Kirby game ever made. <laughs> besides, <laughs> I never played it. Besides maybe Dreamland 2 and 3 or the some of the spin-offs. But, like, in terms of main series games, like, Return to Dreamland was, like, we're going to bring back the superstar ability system and we're going to streamline the gameplay and stuff. And that sort of rebooted the series. And every game since then has generally been pretty good, except for Star Allies, which just just felt like like I can barely even remember what happened in that game. And apparently that game has like a doomsday cult that worships an ancient Cthulhu god. And somehow I forgot that that's kind of takes a special that's level. The only of, thing I remember about the game. <laughs> yeah, like that. That game just left no impression. So the like, only thing I remember is that at the end you fight like Majora's Mask, or at least it yes. felt like it. So I'm going to give Forgotten Land all the credit in the world for finally transitioning the series to 3D and doing it in a way that made a lot of sense. Like the the uh, Crash Bandicoot style of 3D platformer works pretty well for Kirby, I think. Uh, it's maybe a little safe of a transition, but it worked. And the music was pretty good. The graphics looked pretty decent for a Switch game, yeah. even though the game runs at like a dynamic frame rate and resolution. Well, it was a dynamic res, not a frame rate. It was locked to 30, which was pretty. I want to say the first thing that happens when you play the first level, you go through like a little city before that vocal theme plays. That was really weird. And like the first thing that happens is a Bronto Burt pops in in the background. Like you can clearly see it in the background appearing out of nowhere. So that was just like, oh, no, that kind of left a bad first impression. But this game has a lot of good things going for it, and I don't want to undersell that. My point is, I think I am officially sick and tired of Nintendo style modern platformers. Like everything Nintendo has published in the last 10 years has felt really safe and samey and boring. I'm so sick of these games that have like 30 levels in them and the 100% takes forever. Like every level drags on for 10 minutes for some reason. Like they were boring back in the Wii era, but they've just kept making these games this way, especially with 2D platformers. It just gets really old. And this game is basically designed like a 2D platformer in many ways. Like it has some 3D-ish elements, especially with how the powers work in this game. but. In many ways, it just feels like another side-scroller. It's just, it's like the new Super Mario Brothers-ification of the genre, where, like, every game feels like this. It's it's sort of the equivalent of what Sony is doing with prestige, gaudy bait games, except for platformers. And it's like, it's something that's really hard to quantify, but it's just like, this year, I replayed Superstar. I finally got an SNES cartridge, and I played through that when I was at a pretty low point in my year. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because it was only a few hours long. You cannot make a game that is purely mechanics-based like a platformer and make it go on for 20 hours without it getting boring. These older SNES games are so much more fun because they don't overstay their welcome. 
you know, it's like a game that you can finish in an afternoon and it's has a really fast, tight, frenetic pace. You can even 100% them in that time and they still feel like satisfying, complete games. But now these platformers have to be 20 hours long. Each level has to be 10 minutes long. And it's like the 100% experience in this game is just kind of the breaking point for me with these Nintendo platformers where it's like, like, okay, each level has three Waddle Dees that you can find in cages. Those are the collectibles. They're the substitute for the Sunstones and the co- Cued Cobes or Cobe Cube. Code Cubes. And some of them you find in the level. And then three more, I think, are like special objectives. Where like, if you beat the level without getting hit, you get a Waddle Dee. Stuff like that. And there are some of them where like, the objective is really obscure. Like, I want to say one of the first levels, you have to touch all the red flowers or something. And then you get a Waddle Dee for that. But there's zero indication while you're playing the level for the first time that that's the case. They will eventually tell you what the Waddle Dees, the objectives are, the special objectives, but you have to keep finding them. So what ends up happening is you have to play each 10 minute level like six times and that just really destroys the pacing. And something else I really hate about this game, we mentioned the little challenge levels where you have like the power ups and you have to like beat them. There's like a time trial for each one. You have to beat them within a certain time limit. You don't get a Waddle Dee, but it's like an objective for 100%. For some reason that I cannot fathom, when you beat those levels, there isn't an option to immediately try again. You have to go back to the world map, which takes 10 seconds, and then reload the level from the start, which takes another 10 seconds. And it's like Sonic games have had a replay level option at the end since like generations or even colors, I think. This is not a new idea. Another thing that sucks is the bosses have an objective where you have to beat them within a certain time limit or without getting hit or with or by using a specific power up or something. And this game does not have a reload from checkpoint option. So what ends up happening is you go to fight in world five and you get to the boss and you have to walk up like a Castlevania grand staircase to fight. Right. And that takes like a full minute. Then you fight. Then he hits you within the first five seconds and it's like, oh, And then for some reason, you can't just restart the level. You have to like go back to the world map, I think, or maybe in the regular levels you can. I can't remember. I think it's different between the challenge levels and the regular levels. So you have to go back to the world map, then reload the level, then walk up the staircase and then fight. And when you have to do that for every single boss in the game and it takes you like 10 tries, it's really tedious. And I have been complaining about this shit since we started this podcast, right? Like I've been complaining about these platformers. And well, these- yeah. I mean, like to be honest, when I was playing through this game, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't seem like an exo game. Yeah. <laughs> I could like sense it in my soul. Yeah. Like I, I didn't like when I was playing through the game and keep in mind, I am by no means a completionist level length was never an issue for me like i didn't ever think oh this level's going on for too long or this boss is going on like it, it, they all felt like i mean i like it it never came to mind never sure. came to mind that it was a problem if you play the game any percent it's fine like if that's the way you're playing the game well, i played the game 100 percent thought it was fine let me put it this way if this game if you took out all the 100 percent stuff in the levels and just had it beat the level the length would be fine It's when I have to replay them from beginning to end 16 times to 100% them that the length becomes a problem. Because like another problem that this game and a lot of modern Nintendo platformers have is if if you miss a Waddle Dee, 
You can't just go into the level, find that one Waddle D, and then leave. You have to beat the level again. No, I mean, I agree that they should just let you do that. Mm-hmm. So It's like, like, there are so many ways to make this better. Put the Shadow the Hedgehog checkpoint system in the game so that you can skip ahead to whatever you missed. Let you leave the level early. Let you replay the level immediately afterwards by pressing the minus button. You know, like, there are so many tiny little things that they could have done to make this so much better, but they just didn't. It's not like other games haven't put these quality of life features in before. So it's like, I have to assume, then, that they intentionally didn't put them in there to pad the game length. That's the only conclusion I can come to, because I can't think of any other reason why there wouldn't be a restart from checkpoint option. Unless if the game was so rushed that they didn't have time to put it in, you know? So I mean, like, yeah, I guess you're free to believe that. I guess I would disagree, but that's valid. Not having a restart from checkpoint option does not make the game better in any substantial way. Yeah, I don't think so, they did it intentionally, though. I don't like to make those kinds of assumptions. It is kind of weird how a lot of games do that, though. Like, do you think maybe it's just like an oversight that like they don't they don't think like, oh, well, maybe maybe this is convenient because like. Again, like, you know, we were, we were talking about Sonic games, too. Like, Sonic games do that, too. Like, this is why I gave my game of the year to Kaze last year, where it's like mm. the levels are short and snacky. Like, the time trials are probably the most padding the game has, but even those weren't that bad. You, If you miss a bonus room, you can just get the one bonus and leave. And the game is maybe, like, 10 hours long at most if you do everything. And it just seems like these Nintendo games just refuse to learn anything. They just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And I'm just sick and tired of it. If I've, if Nintendo releases another platform in the future and I find out that it has the thing where you can't leave the level early, you can't go back and get a thing without finishing the level again. I'm not buying it because I'm just <laughs> done. I can't take this anymore. Yeah, I think that's probably for the best. You hear that? Mario Odyssey 2 dev team. Better get your shit together. There's no way there's an Odyssey 2 dev team. That's, they would have released it by now. <laughs> we got anything else to add on uh, Kirby? I mean, like I said, I played this game, and I'm like, this is definitely not. <laughs> Exo's going to hate this. And uh, yeah, that's what ended up happening. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it, though. I thought it was pretty great. Then again, I don't... Yeah, I mean, it's like my... I, I would put it at like... I'm struggling because I know my one and two spots are like locked in. So it's like three, four and five or like whatever. It's in there somewhere. Well, see, that's funny because like I played a handful of games this year, but like I can't even like put down like my five favorite. Like I got three for sure that are definitely on here. I think Kirby's probably number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are, I mean, if, if I may have the floor for a moment. You know, if we're still talking about like platformers and everything. And this this won't take long because it's a game that I didn't even finish yet. But. I do kind of want to address it, uh, because I didn't find out until a little too late that Gears for Breakfast, the people who made a hat in time, they, they had a game that came out in 2022. They did? It's, uh, they did, yeah. It's uh, a game called Here Comes Nico, and it's, uh, have you guys heard of the game uh, Demon Turf? Have you yes, all heard of that? No. It's essentially a 3D platformer, but like the, it uses 2D sprites. It, it kind of does- me- of this one fan game, this Mario fan game I played, where it was like a mm-hmm. 3D platformer with like a Crash Bandicoot forward hallway camera, but it used Super Mario RPG sprites instead of a model. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, they're, I mean, they're different. They they definitely feel a lot different than just like a normal hop and bop 3D platformer, but uh, 
You know, I, I didn't play this one, like, fully yet. It's, again, it's one of those where I discovered, like, maybe a little too late that it was a thing. And then, like, as I was playing, something else came out, then I, you know, I put it down for a bit. Haven't picked it back up yet. But from what I played so far, it's, you know, it's very, very cozy. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly the kind of scale that A Hat in Time has. And, like, the like the main premise is that, you know, you play as this character who just, I guess, like, you know, she left home or they left home. And now they're running amok. They're doing little odd jobs where they have to try to, you know, cheer people up or make people happy. You know, do little odds and ends. You get currency. You get enough currency. You go to, like, the, the next little island or, or the next town. You know, rinse and repeat. And, you know, they all have, like, their own, like, different, like, platforming challenges and everything like that. Like, it's a very small scale, very low stakes kind of game. And they kind of allude to... Like, there are some light story elements, like, hidden underneath about, like, things that may or may not be happening. Like, every once in a while, you get, like, a voicemail from your mom saying, like, oh, hey, when you coming home, why'd you just up and leave? So, like, there's, like, a little bit of a thread there to kind of, like, hook you in. So, uh, you know, I do want to finish it because it's from a dev team that I very much enjoy. And, you know, the game is, I mean, maybe it's also not as, like, interesting. I'm not, I know I'm not giving it, like, the best sales pitch here. But, like, it is entertaining, it is cozy, it's fun enough, if that makes any sense. It's also not too expensive either. It's on Steam, it's on Switch. You know, if you like Gears for Breakfast, absolutely, check it out. Like, I don't know why they didn't really, like, there wasn't a lot of marketing for this game, or there wasn't really a push for it, so, you know, they deserve some love. Check them out. It's, it's, it's good, and I want to finish it. I looked this up, Ryan, and it says yeah. that the developer was Frog Vibes. Frog Vibes? And why does it say Gears for Breakfast? Uh, Gears for Breakfast published it. Oh, they published? Okay, well, shit! Check it out, though! <laughs> yeah. I mean, this looks interesting. Like, There's frogs! Is, There's is so the, many frogs! Let me let me ask this. What gender is the main character? Do you know? I'm honestly not sure. You know, whenever I would talk about this game to people, I usually just try to stick to the they, them, just to, you know, because you, you don't know. Because the logo looks like it has, like, the trans flag colors on it like the pink blue yeah. and white yeah again i don't have a problem with that i'm also queer so it's just I, i'm not used to seeing a game with the character that appears to be outwardly queer like that that's kind of new uh isn't the main character in celeste the same way i've never played like didn't that, the devs come out I and say that so. they are yeah. yeah if so hey cool i respect it do your thing but yeah honestly like check it out it's pretty cute Please check out our YouTube channel for playthroughs of our favorite games and video versions of all our podcasts. This episode was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigm Gamer. Check out the links in the description to follow each of us on YouTube, Twitter, and more. Thank you all very much for watching our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.